It's a little extra Lambo. Coming to you live from the palatial podcast studios right here, Spokane, Washington. On the other line with me, as I'm doing the intro to this show, to this podcast, I believe this is episode number 95. We are getting closer to that 100 show mark. I have on the other line, James Sowery. He is a blue collar trucker from Canada, from central Alberta, who was down at the trucker convoy out of Coots, Alberta. He was there for five days, uh, February 9th to February 14th, ended up leaving. He got called into work and felt he had done his his duty down there, his constitutional rights. He had been able there to protest against the, the corrupt mandates that were put upon us, chose to leave and go back. Um, as he was stopped to, to talk to the officer that was right there, he was waved on through and hit a pylon and that's when all hell broke loose. Um, he served some time in jail, a few hours in jail was released, went to court. Court did not go his way over the story that he's about to tell us. Um, and, and now he's, uh, fighting legal team team. He's trying to find a new set of legal, uh, another lawyer. I'll just say that another lawyer and all legal fees are, are starting to add up. So we uh, are definitely going to need help um, him out. That's why I have him on today so that he can show, he can tell us his story. Um, I've got a, a couple notes here, so I know a little bit about it, but he's definitely going to tell us more. So um, I'm going to bring James on. Um, again, this is number show number 95. We are coming in on that hundred show. So next month we will have our 100th show. I don't know what I'm going to do for it yet. I don't know if I'm going to go through and, and make a, a best of for the hundredth or if I'm going to have a guest or maybe a couple different guests. I don't know. I got 30 days to figure that out or I got five weeks, five weeks to figure that out. Well, actually four weeks and then the next show comes out. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm going to make uh, I'm going to have a very special show for you for that hundredth show. I just got to decide what I want to do. Um, but I'm excited. A hundred shows. I mean, I started off uh, on one thinking I might have I might have a couple and then it might fade away. But I'm a hundred shows deep. Crazy. Just crazy. Um, you can find me on Twitter, purely underscore Lambo, uh, extra Lambo Facebook page. Um, Instagram is a, a little extra Lambo. Uh, my TikTok is um, 1776 account 25. But I changed my name to the one and only Lambo, which you can search for me that way, and it's staying up. I mean, my name has has been banned from TikTok. You can't use it. But now they changed their uh, user agreements. I'm kind of thinking that I might start my hashtag again, a little extra Lambo, and maybe we can start building that number up again. Uh, my account has been up for three weeks now, and that's except for my very first one. This is the longest account that I've had. So... Uh, we'll see, we'll see, see how it goes, but been able to create some videos and, and keep some, keep them up. Um, I've had one taken down, um, still don't understand why, uh, they said it was, a, a, a against community, uh, community, uh, standards and, uh, integrity and something else. And like, this is my video. Oh no, I know what it was. It was the, the video that I made about the two different Joe Bidens. I was actually in agreement that it's the same Joe Biden, 
but I was doing it very sarcastically. So they pulled that one. So I do have one strike against me, but I am, my account is still in good standing. So, um, as of right now, um, a couple shows coming up, but, uh, I have to get James on. I'm going to bring him in here in just a second to talk about the, the legal fees that he, or the legal issues that he's having. Uh, again, single father of two central Alberta. Um, he was in the protest at Coots, Alberta and, and he's going to tell you a story. So, um, without further ado, I'm going to bring in James. Um, you will be able to find his gifts and go his donation page. Um, I believe he's going to have a Facebook page, but he'll, he'll, I think he'll say, mention that within the, within his, you know, time we have with him. Um, all of that will be on, my Facebook page, Extra Lambo, and it'll be on the prologue to the show that you're listening to right now, as well as um, the videos that I will have made up for him on TikTok. So um, without further ado, I'm giving you James Sorry. So with me today, I have Canadian trucker, James Sowery. Um, you're a father of two from the great state of Canada, about the, what, middle of Alberta, you'd say? Yeah, uh, central Alberta. Um, we have you on the show today because you were a part of the Canadian trucker convoy. As an American citizen, I'd like to say thank you for um putting in your time and your your patriotism to not only your country but as well to ours to bring attention to the mandates that were being pushed upon us so from me to you sir i'd like to say thank you i much appreciate the support and i mean without you guys supporting us we we probably would have dropped off i'm sure you know us as canadians we're pretty shy people up here so it's it was a big deal to stand up as a whole unity convoy thing and make this all happen now you were you joined the convoy in Coots, Alberta. I know I know that border crossing very well, Milk River area. Um, when you when you were following along with when when the convoy first started across, and then they you know everybody started going to the border crossings. What what was your mind? What was your thought process when you when you made that decision to go down? So I guess uh, when the convoys first started, I, I, I work in the oil field. I've been in the oil field 18 plus years. So I had been following the movement right from the get-go when, uh, you know, Chris Barber started uh, with mothers there. And they started heading to Ottawa. And I, I thought about going to Ottawa, uh, to be honest with you. But uh, with work and the price of fuel and everything, there was no way that I could afford it. So I kind of followed along and... Um, I joined some convoys that went uh, went to Edmonton, to Calgary, and stuff like that. Um, just kind of show our presence in support of Ottawa. And then uh, that's when Coots started up. And uh, I was able, fortunate enough, to make my way down there. What, what, when, what kind of, you, you drive a, um, a vacuum truck. What do, what, do you, what do you call that? I'm sorry. Uh, so it's a tri-drive hydrovac. It's a 50,000-pound truck uh, used for digging holes or cleaning out, uh, all that kind of stuff. And when you started, um, this was about the time at the border 
when they had it all shut down. They had both sides of the of both entry points shut down. And then they, the Canadian government, or was it the provincial government, put a fire ban on the on the people? And we're this is February, so it's obviously cold. The wind does nothing but blow up there, so I I believe that that's what was going on. Correct the the fire ban. Uh, yeah. So the provincial government put on a fire ban. So the government of Alberta put on a fire ban in the middle of uh, February, and. Uh, I seen an opportunity there. I got a call from some friends telling me this, and they figured they had enough enough firewood to keep the barrel fires going for about two more days, and then they'd end up being squeezed out. So uh, I thought, you know what? I, I can do something here. So I made a post on Facebook looking for firewood donations. I never said where it was going to or anything like that. Um, I had quite a few people donate, and... Uh, yeah, I went in and hand stacked it all inside the truck, probably about seven or eight cords, and uh, started making my way down to Milk River to show my support. And you know, um, yeah. How are you greeted? Well, first, let me start this. How you were on your your way down? Did you come across any law enforcement? Any any uh, um, barriers to cross? Anything like that? Yeah, so uh, once we got down there, I went down with the convoy. Uh, I believe there was probably about 20, 20, 25 of us that went down there that day. That was February 9th. Um, and uh, there was a check, a check stop right at Milk River. And they were letting all the passenger vehicles go, but uh, they stopped me in a big truck. And they did not want to let me go down at first. Uh, I had... Uh, I told them, you know, it's my right to go down and protest. They had no idea that I had firewood in the back of the truck. I just kind of spoke my my piece. I, I told them that it's my right to go down and protest. And, uh, yeah, they let me go down. So I continued down the highway and uh, made it right to Milk River. And that's where the police had the road blocked all the way, like down the ditches, across the highway, down the other ditch. So there was no going farther past that point. I was probably about 10 kilometers north of uh, Coots at that time. And uh, even when I got right down to the protest at Milk River, nobody nobody knew that I had firewood in the back of the truck. Um, so, yeah, I went right up to front lines, and I spoke with a couple of the, of the main uh, organizers of the protest there, and I explained to them, hey, I heard that they put a fire ban on and, you know, they weren't letting firewood in. And I, I, I told them what I did. Um, so, yeah, they backed me in right front lines and uh, we unloaded the firewood. There's lots of viral videos online about it. And, yeah, that's that's how she went. So very, very well received. Uh, this was on February 9th when you finally got down there. Uh, how long did you stay down there for? So I stayed at the protest till uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day. And uh, that morning, um, all the kids, I mean, kids were out every day, uh, you know, celebrating, coming to hear all the horns, the big trucks, visiting people. Uh, I believe the one Saturday, I think there was somewhere around 10,000 people that showed up. So it was, it was a lot of love, a lot of, a lot of freedom everybody we all ate like kings like there's food everywhere 
And, uh, yeah, I remember specifically, uh, there was a group of kids that came with signs, uh, saying we stand for the, you know, uh, Oh Canada was saying, um, and children ran around with, with roses and handed them out to everyone, including officers on that were blocking the highway. I mean, I witnessed, uh, some officers tearing up and having to go behind their, their, uh, command center, I guess you call it, and change out, wipe their tears to get back on duty kind of thing. Were the, were the officers well-receiving? Uh, obviously, they were there to do a job, make sure you guys didn't get carried away, um, keep you within a, thir- a certain area. Were they were they pretty respectful when it came to you guys, or were they was there some bullying? Was there some pushing around? What was what was going on with law enforcement? So yeah, down down at Milk River, there was never any real pushback. I mean, I think there was one incident where uh, uh, the police thought that one of the trucks had guns in it. Um, they went and opened up the door in the middle of the night to search the truck, and and there wasn't any guns. It, it was just assumptions but that was the only incident there ever was and they let us do our thing we police our own thing i mean anytime there was somebody that i don't know didn't didn't coincide you know a couple guys would go and have a chat with them smooth it over and everything was good there there was never any violence nothing now being a federal um, here in the States, uh, truckers are, are federally mandated. Um, I believe it's the same thing up in Canada as well. They're not provincial, it's federal. So when they do, what was the reason? Did they have probable cause to search this truck? Or was it just one of those random, in air quotes, random searches that they were looking for firearms? Uh, just a random search as far as I know. I mean, it never went anywhere, so I'm not sure the reason why they chose that truck in particular, if they got a tip from somebody or what it may have been. But it was actually a local farmer with a set of B-trains on behind him. He was sleeping in his truck the whole time he was there. And, yeah. So. When... Now we know from the viral videos, videos as well as when I had I had Chris Barber on the podcast, we know that to me there was there was two different sets of of law enforcement. You have you have RCMP, you have on um, the 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 federal police officers, which I don't think Coots had the the federal police officers. Did you at the end when you finally left? Was there a different set? Like, and, and how I asked that is in Ottawa, we believe that there was UN wearing the, the Quebec police or the Ottawa police officer uniforms and coats, but we believe they were UN officers. Do you think there was a change of officers or was it the same guys there the entire time? Well, uh, RCMP are federally regulated. That's something I'm not sure if you guys have heard down there, um, Grand Prairie up north have actually voted and started phasing out the RCMP because of all of this. And uh, it's something that I think is, I believe is getting pushed right across Alberta. And I'm not sure if it'll go across Canada or not, but RCMP are federally regulated and there was multiple different tactical teams. I'm not saying military or anything like that, but uh, SWAT was there, stuff like that. Was there a reason for SWAT or was it just to swap out 
law enforcement bodies just to have uh, people there in your area? I think it was more or less to have boots on the ground kind of thing um, at first. I'm not sure what their actual intentions were throughout until the very end when the Emergencies Act came in and they decided to, uh, you know, push, push hard. How long now Coots was, it was occupied for 30 or 40 days in total. Um, had the, had the truckers were there first with, with all the RVs, all the, the car traffic, and then the farmers came in and then the construction people came in behind them with the big, um, dozers and, uh, graders and all that stuff. There was one instance where one of the farmers there had, was it two graders that were on his property, not on the highway, but on his property and, and, uh, the law enforcement made him move them. Okay, so it uh, wasn't graders. It was actually excavators. Um, there was three of them. And, yes, they were parked in a, uh, along the side of the highway. They weren't on the highway. But the officers asked the owner to move them away from the protest, out of view. And the owner did. The owner tracked them across the field and parked them at, in a farmyard on private property, uh, probably about a kilometer and a half from the highway. And uh, once they moved them, that night the officers went and sabotaged these excavators. They uh, cut battery cables, they cut hydraulic lines, cut the ECM computers out of them, filled the fuel lines full of spray foam insulation. Like, they made these machines inoperable ever again. It'll cost thousands and thousands of dollars to repair. And uh, there is actual audio um, audio footage uh, of them speaking about it, saying that, yeah, we dismantled these excavators. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they admitted admitted to this um, destruction of these excavators. Is that its own lawsuit? Is the is the owner going after the police for this? Do you know? That is that is correct. I think that's something that's ongoing right now at the present moment. Um, tell us about the the nice lady that was there helping everybody out. Um, she was doing Joanne some laundry. Pearson. I'm sorry, what was that? Joanne Pearson. Joanne Pearson. She yep. was doing uh, laundry. That's... She was giving showers to anybody. Is is she still in trouble? Are they still trumping up charges against her at all, or has that been kind of pushed away? Yeah, no, she was uh, down there. She was doing all the truckers' laundry, um, letting people use her house, her shower. She was bringing food all the time. Uh, she was very welcoming to everybody supported everybody and no matter who they were. Um, and yeah, she got charged with allegedly having firearms and stuff. Um, those charges have been dropped. Uh, she went and pled her own case and, uh, she won it. And I, I bring that up to get to your, your situation because you have, you have federal, you have your law enforcement sabotaging excavators. You have trumped up charges saying that there's guns, which I believe she had every right to own guns legally, or were they, they saying there was illegal guns? Uh, so she had, she had a 22 caliber gopher gun, which is, which is perfectly legal. She had the right to own that. Um, the other guns that they that they found there, I'm not sure that whole story. That all happened after my incident. I wasn't around for that. I was already in jail at that time. 
hardened, hardened criminal. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so you came down on the ninth. Um, you you were stopped at the first um, blockade there. You said it's my it's my right to be able to go down and protest. When you chose to leave, and I'm going to kind of step just a little bit forward here. When you chose to leave, do you think that that pushback from those officers was the same? officers that were at that first blockade where you said i'm i'm a citizen i have every right to protest and they remembered you uh i'm not sure on that i'm not 100 percent positive i don't remember the faces um i know that there was 300 officers that were uh dispatched in total to the coots blockade i mean there wasn't 300 every day like they were you know changing out when they needed to kind of thing but I'm not sure who was on duty at the beginning versus who was on duty at the end. I, I met so many of them. Um, and, and I think I already brought this up that they were, they were pretty well received law enforcement to you guys. Um, I don't believe that they entered into your, the center area there, but they were intermingling a little bit, communicating, you know, trying to, to keep the peace, but did they show any support? Hey, you know, we understand why you guys are here. Did they show any of that? Um, they, they did. I mean, I, I thought they were genuine for sure. Uh, while I was down there, I mean, I never thought anything of it. Until, you know, I, like I didn't find out about Joanne Pearson's arrest or the four boys that are in, in jail right now or any of that stuff till after I had exited out of prison. So I didn't know at the time. I, I thought that everything was going good. Tell us about the four boys because I don't know anything about that. Okay, so the four boys are, there are political prisoners here in uh, Alberta. They've been held in jail now over 400 days without bail, um, without a conviction. And uh, the the alleged charges are conspiracy to murder RCMP. Um, again, that hasn't been proven or convicted in it. And they're being held in prison without bail as we speak. I, I don't even know what to ask. That's a complete overreach, but we have the same thing that happened with the January 6th um, people who were who were there protesting. There are still people in prison for that, and there are no charges, and or, or even what the what some of the charges were are misdemeanors at best, and they're still held prisoner. So, I mean, this administration, along with Trudeau and your administration, they're just running roughshod right now and taking away all of our civil civil liberties and our constitutional rights to protest. Exactly. So let's exactly. go, let's go over your, your situation. Um, you showed up February 9th, brought firewood. You were a hero to everybody who was about ready to start freezing. Um, you were there for five or six days and you felt, it was your time to leave. What was your thought process as you were getting ready to, to pull out? Okay. So yeah, February 14th, um, that was Valentine's day. There was a lot of emotions, a lot of love running around. I mean, I, I, I cried that day. Um, it, it was, it was unbelievable. The love and the support. And, uh, I had gotten a call that morning to go back to work and I felt, you know what? I, I did my time here, uh, 
all I was doing now was honking the horn. Um, you know, nothing else was really getting done. So I felt it was my time to go, go back to work. I needed to provide for my family. Um, and, and yeah, so as I packed my truck up and went to leave the protest, I got about uh, two kilometers south of Milk River when I seen the same check stop that I came in with. Um, but this time going in the northbound lanes, there was only one police car, uh, an officer sitting inside his police car, and he had pylons strung out the back of it, but leaving the slow lane wide open. I pulled over uh, 351 meters from this uh, alleged check stop, and the officer actually at the trial testified he used a laser to measure the distance. So it's 351 meters. Those are facts. Um, and I decided to do my pre-trip in my logbook in case I was to get pulled over. At least my paperwork was in order. From there, I decided to proceed and make my way to this, to, to this check stop. And the officer didn't get out of his vehicle till seconds before I went by. And he stood beside the driver's door of his car. And there was a pylon about three to five feet from the back of his car. And uh, I managed to clip it with my front tire. Um, just before I went by him and he stood out of his car, he did a hand gesture, a wave. And he actually testified in the court that uh, he did make a wave, but he wasn't sure what it was. I testified that he made a waving hand gesture as a sign of goodbye. He didn't deny that. Um, yeah, so once I proceeded and uh, ended up hitting this pylon, um, officers jumped in their vehicles, obviously, and started coming after me. I pulled over immediately and uh, got out of my truck and went down on my knees and put my hands up. Uh, I was scared. I mean, I, I, the protest, everything else, the, the, the government going on, I wasn't sure what was going on. So I put my hands on my head, and the officers pulled in behind me and drew their guns out, pointed them at me, and from there I was arrested. Um, first thing is if you're within the provincial, do you still have to run a logbook no matter what? Yes. So we have uh, provincial carriers and federal carriers. We're not quite to e-logs like the Americans are yet. We still have some paper logs, so we still run provincially for small businesses unless you're crossing borders. Then you have to be a federal carrier. I, I ask that because within states here, if you're within uh, 150 mile radius of your home position, you don't have to run a logbook, even though you are. But if you, if you cross state lines, then you you do because now you're you're interstate. But I was that's why I asked. But you are three and a half hours away, so you're 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 probably out of that radius. Is why you had to run a logbook. Uh, correct. I had to run a logbook. Uh, if you are within a 150 mile radius, you only have to do a pre-trip inspection. You don't have to do a logbook. Could you not have done your uh, pre-trip safely? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> In where you were parked at before, or did you have to get away from the area first and then do a and then do a pre-trip? Was it explainable um, to the to law enforcement for you to do that? Yeah, so uh, there there was no real way of me doing a proper pre-trip um, where I was parked in front lines. I mean, we had trucks parked inches away from each other. There's no way that you'd be able to inspect your tires and rims and brakes and stuff. I mean, you'd be crawling in and out of people and 
it was not an ideal place to do a pre-trip. Gotcha. Okay. So that that was, you could have verbally, you know, if they asked you why you left, you had a, you had a good explanation as to why you did a pre-trip, um, away from everybody else. Yes. And then you, you come up, you come up to the checkpoint. Um, he waves you through, um, when you stepped out, did you felt like you were already in danger that that's why you went down to your knees and put your hands on your head? Or did he tell you to get down on your knees? No, I felt I was already in danger. Like the, the police presence down there was, was massive. I mean, like I said, there were 300 officers down there at Coop, uh, and Milk River. So, I mean, the police presence was big. I've never, ever been convicted or criminal charges or anything. I mean, I've been pulled over for, uh, you know, a speeding ticket kind of thing, but that's about it. I've never ever had three or four police officers, uh, you know, pull me over kind of thing. And then especially had guns drawn on you from behind when there was no, no reason to. Now I've had, I've had drive tires, um, uh, at the border actually explode guns drawn as they come out. Cause they don't know what's going on. Border, border patrols right there. They don't know what's going on. And so you can, you can understand that, but once you've given yourself up, there is no reason for law enforcement to draw upon you. Was that ever brought up within your court case? No, it was never brought up. It, it was never kind of taught then. Um, so then, so tell us about you were, you were then arrested. Um, did they say you were, um, unworkable, angry, um, anything along those lines as to why you were going to be arrested then at that point? And then what were your charges? So yeah, no, I was never vulgar. I was never disrespectful whatsoever. I apologize to them. I wasn't a hundred percent sure what for, but I mean, when you're in a situation like that, I'm trying to be as polite and cooperative as possible. I said, I was sorry multiple times. Um, I was very cooperative, the whole situation. They testified that in their testimony as well. Um, I've been charged with assault with a weapon and dangerous driving. Um, the, the assault is on a pylon, obviously, and uh, the dangerous driving uh, was with, uh, with the Hydrovac. Did they have body cam? Was there any footage at all no. of this, any video at all? No, um, no body cameras here in, in Alberta. Uh, they don't run that kind of stuff. And like I said, the way the police cars were facing, uh, on a northbound checkpoint and the southbound checkpoint, all three vehicles were pointing to the West. Uh, nothing was pointing towards the East to the slow lane where I was, you know, clear sailing, ready to go. So there was no footage. The only thing that got put into evidence was, uh, a picture of a squash pylon, a couple pictures of a squash pylon. And then uh, the police officer reenacted the scene uh, in, a, in another city up in, up around Edmonton area uh, and parked his car in an industrial area there and placed a pylon stood beside his car and took a picture two weeks ago and entered that into evidence. And then it was uh, a testimony of five officers which testified they could not see the officer during the incident. So it was basically his testimony versus my testimony, and that was it. The admitting the admittance of this reenactment. 
how did your lawyer even allow that to to be entered as evidence in in your case? Well, the crown the crown suggested it only be used for reference to the jury of where how the police officer was standing and where the pylon was and all this. And, and my lawyer never argued it, which, which yes, she should have. Very much so, because that seems to be what is what's being used against you, especially in this situation. Yeah, you ran over a pylon, pay your fine to re reimburse for the pylon, and then away you go. Because already they've yeah. they've shown with the with the excavators with um, the nice lady uh, Joan jo- Joanna. Joanne, yeah. Joanne, and, you know, with her situation that there is already mischief, and I'm going to use that word from Chris Barber, there was mischief from the officers alone to get you into this situation. It just seems to be all added up, adding up into a this snowball to make you guys look like criminals when, in fact, you oh, were definitely. just trying to pull away, clipped a pylon, heaven forbid, Without injuring anybody else, without injuring the officer, you were you weren't disrespectful at all, and then they haul you away. Yeah. Yeah. How long were you no, in jail the, for? The office, the office, uh, I was in jail for eight and a half hours. Um, my release papers were sent out after two and a half hours, but they made me sit there because I guess they didn't have enough law enforcement to release me or something. That was their excuse, anyways. But uh, I want to bring up to the. The, the police officer testified that after the incident, he went back to work that afternoon. He also went back to work the next day and the day after that and so on and so forth. And what is the, 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 was he not supposed to, was he not supposed to go back to work? Is he then kind of awaiting, you know, all of this, the, not the trial with you, but the, the, the processing with you, is that why he shouldn't have gone back to work? Uh, he wasn't the one that processed me. A different officer was the one that, uh, arrested me and processed me in that officer came in right behind him after the fact. So he handed you off within the, the chain of, of custody then. Yeah. After you were after you were released, well, let me let me ask you this: your your truck then is obviously left there since you were um, put in the back of a squad car and, and driven away. What what happened with your truck? They, so uh, once I was in the back of the police car, um, uh, what they testify is they could not find tow trucks. Tow trucks would not come help them. So uh, they picked an officer that uh, had a valid class license. Apparently I have not seen this valid license, but okay, we'll go with it. Um, he, uh, he jumped in the truck and drove it into milk river and parked it on a side road behind some grain silos. Uh, they left the lights on, locked the doors and abandoned it. They, they left it there. At least they were kind enough to lock your doors. Yeah. Um, the lights, uh, being left on, did that destroy your batteries at all? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, the, the batteries were destroyed. Um, I'm not sure who went after the fact the door locks, the doors and stuff and the door handles were, were no good after that. Um, once I was released, we had people go and pick up the truck and, uh, I had a spare set of keys hidden underneath the hood. So they uh, managed to drive it home for me. They spent 
four or five hours trying to boost it and get it running again. And they drove it home for me here, and it's been sitting here at home ever since. Um, one more time, say what your charges were, and then tell us about about the, the court process because you've already been to trial. And uh, tell yep. us a little bit about the, the court process. Okay, uh, so my charges are assault with a weapon and dangerous driving. Um, the court process, so I went to a jury a jury trial, so 12 jurors. Um, they got the evidence of a squash pylon, um, his testimony, my testimony, uh, with Crown Prosecutor. And, uh, yeah, the, the jury deliberated for four hours and came out with uh, both a guilty verdict. Why would why did your your case take four days? Was it that slow? That trivial? How many how many people did the other side uh, interview? Uh, just five off well six officers in total that testified, and and your and yourself of course, um, and myself. Yeah, I just I can't see it going four days what a waste of taxpayer money on a on a bullshit case anyway it's it just it blows my mind man i I feel bad for you um especially in this situation where you're just you're doing your what you thought was best for for you and your family um protesting against the mandates doing absolutely nothing wrong causing no problems to anybody um, and then, and then being treated like a, like a hardened criminal in all this, it just, it's a complete overreach from yeah. this government. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's, so, it's a sad day. Now, now I have to try and appeal the process. We have to find grounds for, uh, the rule of law to have been broken in the court during this trial to be able to open up an appeal and then basically start this trial all over again. So, I'm back in uh, trying to raise money again for legal fees and see if we can beat this. Was your was your first lawyer, w- were they newer? It's a she, correct? Yeah, it was a she. Uh, I don't really want to say her name. I, nope, I do have respect fine. for her. But, um, yeah, no, I, I felt she did good for what she could. Um, there was obviously a lot of lacking um I needed somebody that was ruthless, I guess, and I just didn't have it. I was kind of left on the stand there. Was she kind of caught off guard by the 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 case itself not going in your favor? I mean, it to me, it, to me, oh, it yeah. seems like a pretty slam dunk. You know, there there really is no case. I mean, you can't even say what you what you actually did wrong in in the charges that were brought against you. I'm I'm sure yeah. she just thought it was I'm just going to present the facts the the jury of 12 is going to see it like we see it and we're going to send this man home go home to his family. Yeah, correct. That's exactly what she thought. You know, even uh even when the jury came back with the verdict and said it, we find a defendant guilty, the judge asked them uh on which counts. And they said both and he he was just he looked like he was shocked. I mean, he didn't say anything, but he looked like he was he was shocked. Now, when you're in in Alberta, the judge can overrule the jury. 
did he seem like he want, wanted to? Now, obviously, you're not going to know, you know, officially, but did he seem like he was going to? Because you said he's, 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 he's shocked at this as well. Did he, did you think he yeah. contemplated overturning that? I'm not sure because um, the fact that the judge is supposed to be bipartisan, supposed to follow the process and all that and, and whatever, I'm not sure exactly how he thought. I thought he would have. Um, again, I, I'm still in shock. When I heard the verdict, I, I just went white. Just, I couldn't believe it. Even the jury members, none of them looked at me on their way out. Not one of them. They all held their head at the floor. I would, I would like, I've I've been a part of, um, jury duty twice. I got out of the first one. The second one, I was there for two weeks and you, at some point there has to be a human connection with the person that you're about ready to make a decision on. You have to, uh, to me, I, I couldn't take my eyes off of the, the guy that we were, you know, making a ruling against because I, I maybe that is something they were told not to do. I know we were told not to, not to talk to our guy. We were told not to um, make any connection. But you still look. You still have to see what you're doing to this person. That that just blows my mind that they didn't even make eye contact with you. No, not not one of them. Um. So you it, were charged. It still, it still blows me away. You were charged on on both counts. Um, you're, you're waiting for more different evidence to come around, to come out, to find something. So that way it can go to an appeals court or is it, can you just have your, your case retried again? No. So right now I'm, I'm set for pre-sentence is what it's called. So, uh, I guess it's just when the courts are open again, can take my, my, my trial. Um, that's set for June 12th and that's when, uh, that's when, uh, I believe a parole officer will do, um, an interview with me, kind of giving me what my sentence will be. And at that time they will have a sentence date and I have 30 days to appeal it from there. Okay. So there, there is an option for, for an appeal, which you desperately need especially in this situation um your uh, first gotta, gotta find gotta find grounds in the rule of law that was broken during the trial to be able to open up an appeal do you so believe... i have to get transcripts from the court case uh another lawyer to kind of go through it all and see if the rule of law was was broken during this trial do you believe that your? Do you believe that there was? I, again, I'm I'm an 18 year veteran in the oil field. I've never been convicted or or anything of that. I'm not uh, too familiar with with the law in that respect of the courts. I I know that the amount of doubt that was in this case, it never should have gone this way. Uh, I know that this was a mistrial, just from facts. And I hope that, you know, somebody, somebody sees it and, and can get it overturned and get this dealt with. I have, uh, I have a daughter that's 15, a son that's nine. Uh, I live on the farm here by myself. Um, you know, I, I have to be around. 
Yeah, as a as a single dad as well, I understand that one thousand percent. Um, you're just trying to go to work, provide for your family, raise your kids to be good human beings, and you Correct. were this is this is just completely I don't I don't even know how to describe it. This is just off the wall right now. Um and to me to me the the guns being drawn upon you for no reason is against your civil liberties. You being told you first yeah. can't go down there to protest, which is a constitutional right. And they obviously did allow you to, but at first they told you no. And then yeah. now the whole this whole, you know, assault with a weapon, you you were driving your truck, moving it out of way, you clipped a pylon. Heaven forbid. Yeah. That officer's life was never in danger. You did no damage to any federal property. To me, it's just, this is just trying to set an example. And I told Chris this as well, is they're setting an example with you to not allow to, so that people don't do the same thing again. And it's, I'm hoping that you get, get the attorney that you need, that you deserve for this. Um, is there any way that we can help? Do you have a, uh, not a GoFundMe? Fuck go, go, GoFundMe. What, what, do you have any I other have, way to uh, raise money? Yeah, I do have, uh, an email address for e-transfers. I also have a give, send, go going. Um, I got uh, a couple of the girls there to help me out today, setting up a Facebook page and, uh, the give, send, go thing. And, uh, we're trying Will you send me, just shoot me a text, you've got my number, will you text me that information and then I will do as much as I can to get that out there. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm big on TikTok, but I have a, a pretty good following. I will make videos for this as well. Um, as well, I'll attach it all to this podcast. But if there's, hopefully we can get you um, some recognition, get you a lawyer and then, and then raise some money for you. Definitely. One thing I didn't mention, I've been on conditions as well since, uh, since February 14th last year. Um, some of them have been, uh, I can't drive except for work purposes. Um, they took my license for the first six weeks after I was arrested. Um, at first I wasn't allowed to cross any land border. So I wasn't allowed to leave Alberta for, for a while until my uh, lawyer was able to switch that over just so I could do my trips across Canada for work. But yeah, I, I can't drive except for work purposes. Um, I can't go to any protests. I can't promote any protests or convoys. I can't go down to Coots. I can't go down to Milk River. Um, yeah. So did they, did I, I've they been tell stuck you with those you conditions since February 14th last year. Did they tell you you can't cross the border because you were a flight risk? Is that, is no, that, they never said that. Okay. No, they never said that. Um, just a condition, I guess, to show power. I'm not sure. Well, James, I appreciate you coming on. Um, again, I, I will, appreciate I will, you having me. I'll do whatever I can. You've got my number. Um, if something breaks in this, please let me know. Um, let Kim know and then, or she'll get a hold of me or, or whatever. Um, I know, I know, uh, if you've got Kim on your corner there, she will, she'll definitely get you pointed in the right direction. I'm just hoping that we can find, uh, another lawyer for you that will, you know, be a bulldog and, and get you, get these charges dropped. Definitely. No, I much, I much appreciate all the support that I've been getting here, especially the last few days. 
you know, I'm not, I'm not a big social butterfly. I guess I've always kind of done things myself, you know, done things for my family. And like I said, I've never ever been convicted or criminally charged on anything. And uh, it was just a shock to have this happen. Um, again, uh, thank you for, for, for coming on. Thank you for doing the, the convoy itself and, and standing up for not only your, your rights as a citizen, but as well as the American people's. And, um, I know it made a huge lasting impression of what you did. Now it's, you're dealing with some bullshit on the other end. So, um, I, I will pray for you and, and hope for the best and and I will do my best to um, get some money raised for you for some, some good legal help. Awesome. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thank you. Tell your followers that too. Appreciate all the support. We'll do, sir. Thank you. You have yourself a good night. And that was James Sowry. Um, again, a, a father of two blue collar worker from Canada, uh, central Alberta doing what he thought was best for not only himself, but for his family, for his country, for his fellow citizens and these unconstitutional mandates. He was, he was protesting. He was doing his right to protest. And we know from Chris Barber's podcast and as well as all of that information that was uh, on, on the news, on the YouTubes, on Facebook, on TikTok, on Twitter, that, the officers were very well uh, respected down there, and there was that that in return that they understand why they're there. But then there was a shift, and that shift has yet to be explained as to why. And this sounds like after after he had tried leaving, but the the shift in anger from the 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 officers towards the protesters, and they became forceful. They became um, you know, really unruly and against these unconstitutional, um, you know, mandates that were being put upon them. These citizens did not deserve any of this. They were, they were doing their constitutional, um, liberties and they were protesting. So my, my heart goes out to James and his family. Um, if you would like to help that information will be up on, my Facebook page, it will be up on my Twitter, on my TikTok, um, the link tree, of course. Uh, it, I will put that in all of this in the number one slot on my link tree. So if you would like to help, if you'd like to donate five bucks, ten bucks, anything that you can um, on the gift and gifts and go, we it'll be the very first thing that is on my link tree. So um, help out James Sowry. And, and we can get him some good legal help. To me, this is all all trumped-up charges, and it's a way to for law enforcement as well as the provincials as well as criminal Trudeau to push back against another anything else that comes along. They're going to make an example of him. They made an example of Chris. They're going to make an example of James. To me, I, ho- I, hope, I hope you listening today, you... you saw what what we were talking about on the show he he ran over a pylon and you know it disintegrated it blew up whatever i don't don't really know what what had happened with it it crushed and obviously the officer was scared in that situation you've got four other officers that don't really know what's going on because they didn't see what was going on so 
it's really like he had like James has said it is his word against the driver's word and you had already had all of these other instances about destruction planting evidence um an illegal search with the other truck I feel but you know as as a federal uh carrier like he is you are subject to random searches so I don't know this whole situation is, I mean, you see how Trudeau is. Trudeau is, is a criminal. Trudeau is a tyrant. Joe Biden is a tyrant. Um, this administration is just, is completely corrupt. And it all goes back to the WEF. It goes back to taking away our rights, taking away our liberties, forcing upon the, the people to be scared of their government when that's it should go the exact opposite way. The federal government should be afraid of us. That's how it was from day one. That's how it was throughout the years. And then there was a shift to where government made themselves more powerful and it made the people afraid of the government. Now the people are starting to fight back and they do not like it. We have, we have um, the Restrict Act. The Restrict Act is a complete constitutional overreach it is a complete government overreach for how to spy it's the patriot act 2.0 it's a patriot act on steroids the restrict act is allows the federal government to go into anything that has a million users a million plus users your ring doorbells your internet your cable your home satellite um your video games your phone your apps you're in anything that has that has users now they gave a million the next step is well we're just we're still things are still coming through that we can't acknowledge or we can't capture we can't keep the public safe that's what all this is about public safety bullshit they're going to lower that number to 500,000 Anything with 500,000 users. Right now it's a million. Anything with 500,000. And then 500,000 isn't going to be good enough. We're going to move it to 100,000. And then 50,000. Because people are going to make make changes. They're going to go down to something that has less than a million users. So now the federal government is going to have to make an adjustment. They're, that number will continue going down until they have complete control over everything. This government is completely out of control, and they do not care. They do not care. So the the Restrict Act, I they, this is why they're trying to get rid of TikTok. It's, it's the only app that you can do this. You have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those are nothing compared to the reach that TikTok has. TikTok, I can make a video myself, and it can go to a thousand people at the snap of a fingers. If those people share it, it can go to a thousand people the snap of a fingers. My message gets shared, gets duetted, gets stitched, gets passed along to private messages, gets favorited, and then it moves on to everybody else. I can make a video, it can go on to everybody else. It's the fastest way to get information. We cannot trust our mainstream media. We cannot trust our published media because they're all owned by corrupt fucks from the WEF. They're all owned by BlackRock or Vanguard. They have an agenda to not give us the information. That's why social media is so clamped down right now with Facebook accounts going down, Instagram accounts going down, um, uh, uh, TikTok accounts going down, but for some reason 
and and I know why because some reason they 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 cannot allow our messages to get through. My accounts have been staying up, and a lot of other people have been staying up because TikTok needs us. They're between a rock and a hard place. You've got the United States government trying to ban them from this country, not only in revenue and sponsorships and commercials and ads. They are TikTok's about ready to lose all of that money for for advertisements, but they're going to lose one one. 150 million 150 million users within the united states alone that's a lot of money that's a lot of ads and 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 commercials and sponsors sponsored ads they are about ready to lose all that so everybody that they've been trying who's who's loud on there that they've been banning accounts i'm gonna count 25 on tiktok they need us they need us to stay within the United States. You've got a senator right now, Conley, I believe is who it is, is trying to make this ban exclusive to TikTok to start off because too much information went out way too fast about the Restrict Act, and it was because of TikTok. The Restrict Act is, a, is, is the Patriot Act on steroids. And all of that information, that bill, it has not passed yet, okay? It has not passed the House or the Senate, I mean. It needs to go to the, you know, it needs to pass the Senate and then go to the House and then get signed off, you know, the process. But right now, even even with it just being drawn up and, and talked about, the American people are all over it because they can see what's going to happen. So now is what they did is they're like, we've got to get rid of TikTok, we have to because it, it kills any bill, anything that we try to do to the American people. It gets it gets flushed and talked about and broken down to where they just start getting lambasted with phone calls, emails, um, text messages, letters, inundated with all of the, the pushback from the American people. They have to get rid of TikTok. So right now they're making they're making an adjustment. They're going to get rid of TikTok. They're going to have an easier way of of pushing all of this other stuff through. It's not about Democrats versus Republicans. It is about this administration versus the people. It is us versus them. And until they the all of the people within this country understand that stop fighting over Republicans. Stop fighting over Democrats. Blue versus red. Fuck all of that. It is us, we the people, versus this government. They are trying to take our rights away from us. They're trying to be able to snoop within every account that we have on our home internet, on our safety videos from our ring doorbells to our cameras through our internet providers to our, our coffee pots that we use that have a clock on them. Federal government is trying to interject themselves within everything, which just leads them to the 15-minute cities, which leads them into the centralized bank to the um, digital currency. It all feeds in together. It's why the federal government is pushing 5G so hard. They have to have that bandwidth from 5G to be able to monitor all of the movements. I don't have a breakdown of how much more this is going to affect the internet speeds because the federal government can now go through anything that they want to. How that whole process works, I'm not that kind of guy. I don't understand all that. But the 
to have that that speed and that um, usage, you have to have a big signal. That's why 5G is being pushed so hard right now from this federal government. I've got an older phone. I'm looking at it right now. I've got an older phone. It's a 4G phone. And I will not be getting 5G until this thing melts within my hand. Is what they need is you to have 5G on here so that way it opens up that circuit. I don't have that because I have a 4G phone. Yes, they can still get in there. Yes, they can do what they need, but they do not have the capabilities with the 5G to enter into my phone the way that they want to. They do not have the control over my phone. The individual carbon footprint that is the next thing to start coming out. They do not have the trackers like they want to push. Yes, I have trackers on there. Don't get me wrong. They, they do not have the trackers on my phone the way that they want to with the 5G. This 5G was, was pushed upon and... And it's always made to sound like, oh, it's so great. Your download speeds will be so quick and you'll be able to stream and live live play video games and do all this stuff with the 5G. It'll be so much faster. There's always a catch. It's not as what they say it is. And now we're starting to see why. The Restrict Act needs to be shut down. Everybody within this country needs to start understanding what this is going to do to them. It is a complete invasion of our privacy. And if they are able to just ban TikTok outright, they will have an easier path of passing that bill for the Restrict Act. TikTok needs us right now. They need the right. They need the conservatives They need the ones who they've been banning over and over and over. Like I said, I'm on account 25. I've had accounts last two minutes. I've had accounts that I would create the account, put my bio in, upload a picture, boom, it's gone. I didn't even make a video. I did not get to publish anything. I did not get to put content out there. All I did was created the account and it was gone. TikTok is in a very tough spot right now because they need us. We know we don't care about TikTok. We don't care about that app. We don't care about the format, but we do understand what it does to the American people to get information out. We do know that we're able to talk to like-minded individuals, fellow patriots of this country, We do know that we can use it for good. We do know that we can get a message out as soon as the federal government opens up a a conversation or a bill like the Restrict Act, and we are all over it. And that information blew up. And that was all because of TikTok. We know that we need TikTok to be able to to stay ahead of the federal government and the bills that they're trying to push and the freedoms that they're trying to take and restrict from us. TikTok does not want us having that ability, but they know that we need to have that ability to keep them within this country. I don't know where it goes from here. 
all we can do is keep fighting. They're going, the federal government is going to keep trying to divide us. The elites of this country are going to continue to try to divide us. Obama said it best when he said, you, all you have to do is flood the town square. And they are doing that right now. They are hitting us from every side, every angle, so many different topics all at once. We have to stay diligent. We have to stay on top of everything. Right now is not the time to take a break. Right now is not the time to walk away. Right now is the time where we are going to start losing our freedoms. I mean, no, start losing our freedoms. Fuck, we've been losing our freedoms. At some point, you've got to draw a line. I have been talking about preparing. I've been talking about setting up communities, setting up like-minded individuals, food storage. How many train derailments has there been since the beginning of the year? How much toxic, how, how much, how much, how many? No, it's how much. How much toxic, toxic um, liquids and minerals and, and whatever else not only put into our air, but put into our water systems. How many, there was a barge, 11 cars, 11 barges, not 11 barges, 11 cars within the barge. One of them had some toxic chemicals that were in it that now is leaking into the Ohio River. We had East Palestine. We had um, the toxic chemicals outside of Tucson, Arizona. We've had in Washington State a train that uh, 5,000 gallons of, of diesel fuel ended up in the, in the dirt. They say it did not make it to the water, but it was next to water. But they say it's all contained within the dirt. Um, there have been, there have been uh, a train outside of Michigan or entering into Michigan. There's been a train... Georgia, Georgia, Virginia, somewhere around there, they were they had a derailment. This country is under attack. So much is going on. Eventually everybody's going to wake up. Will it be in time? That's that's really the question. Because we can only fight so long. Our side can only fight so long. And I've been making post after post of this of we we can do what we can do. I can do. They're gonna silence my voice. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna silence Freedom Stick at some point. They're gonna silence Kentucky Renegade at some points. They're gonna they're gonna silence Kramer at some point. They're not stopping after me. They're not stopping after us. Then they'll just move to the next one because eventually the the democrats are going to start going wait a second you can't you can't start taking these rights from us we were here helping you with them they don't care about that it was about divide and conquer their their goal is to conquer us all their job is to control us all get us into the 15 minute cities get us put onto the digital currency get us put into the central banks I can't tell you how many people I talk to and they say that'll never happen here. Our federal government would never do that. And I just I just sit there and shake my head and I'm like the the federal government was testing LSD against people without their even their knowledge under Clinton. 
And then you can just continue on down that rabbit hole of what Bush did, of what Obama did, of what um, happened under Trump, of what Joe Biden is doing right now. People will only see what they want to see. And that's the sad part, is because if you don't want to see anything, you're not going to. You do have to look for things because you are easily manipulated and lied to. I call it head in the sand, butt in the air. It's just easier to go about your day without looking into these things. It's easier on your day without having that stress put onto you. And trust me, it is stressful. It is stressful knowing that at some point, my children will not have the same freedoms that I do. My children might not have any freedoms. At some point, I might die. And then they will have to continue this fight without me. That's my biggest fear. I fear for my children's future. And as parents and you're listening to this, I know you understand what I'm saying. If we do not stand up and fight right now, if we do not stand up and get loud right now, if we do not continue talking to our neighbors about what is going on, we're not going to change everybody else's opinions. But if we have to try, if we can't get other people to join us shoulder to shoulder, this government is going to start wielding any powers that they can because they could give two shits about our Constitution. Those same people that I've been talking to, they go, we have a constitution. Our government would never do that. We have a constitution. The, the elites and the, and, the, and the WAF, they don't care about our constitution. They don't care about it. It's a piece of paper to them. They don't care. They believe they are the ultimate ruler. They believe they are the ultimate power. Not a constitution. They don't care. When you're sitting in the gulag and you start saying, I've got a constitution, i got a constitution, they're just going to walk away from you and laugh because they don't care. At some point, you're going to have to fight for the freedoms that you want to keep. We cannot do it alone. We are definitely going to need more people to wake up and get loud. Use your voice. It is a fucking weapon. Get loud. Use your voice. Make the phone calls. Protest when you can. Get to the state capitol. Vote. Lord willing, we make it to the next election and we can vote some of these criminals out. And I do not mean criminals on the left. I do not mean criminals on the right. I mean all of them motherfuckers. And if we cannot find the people to represent us the way that we want to be represented, then we need to do it ourselves. That's called taking your government over. That's called putting in a government that you believe and trust in. If you can't find somebody to represent you the way that you want to be represented, then do it yourself. Stop waiting on somebody else to do something for you. Stop sitting back going, well, I'll just wait until it gets done. Fucking take the advantage and get it done yourself. Put yourself into that position. 
we are getting to a tipping point in this country to where we are going to lose everything that we have worked so hard and built up. We are there. I pray that you have food, enough food on hand. I pray that you have enough water on hand. I pray that you are prepared with plans and people you can trust, places to go in case anything would ever happen to you. Right now you are being attacked from all sides, and I pray that you see this. I pray that you understand what is going on around you. The time for naivety is gone. You have to be awake. You have to be aware. You have to see what is going on around you. You have to have a plan. If you need help creating this plan, please email the show, extralambo at gmail.com. Shoot a message to me on TikTok, Facebook, Extra Lambo Facebook page, purely underscore Lambo on Twitter. Shoot me a message and I will help you. Get onto my link tree. It has all my information there. I will help you come up with a plan. I will help you prepare for food storage. I will help you with water. I will help you any way that I can. Freedom Stick. He's got his virtual trainings that he does, I think, once a month, every other month, something like that. I know they just got done with one. He'll be promoting another one here soon. There are people out there who will help you, but you have to ask for it. There is nothing wrong with asking for help. It is your family. It is your family's children's future. So if you need help, just all you have to do is ask. There's plenty of literature out there, but you have to understand what is going on around you. Your liberties and your freedoms, they are starting to go. There is an attack on all of our guns. As soon as we lose the guns, they don't care. They're going to ram through whatever it is. We've, we're already being restricted to freedom of speech. We can't say certain things because there's so many soft pussies out there that they can't handle any negativity coming their way. They can't handle being told no. Your speech is already restricted. Once they take the guns, just like in Venezuela, just like in Australia, all of these other countries where they took your firearms from you, once they do that, you have no more freedoms. That's why America is the beacon, the shining hill on the, on the, on the hill, the shining star on the hill. We are the last hope for this world because we have guns, because we can fight off anything that comes our way. Another country wants to attack us. The American people is the largest standing army on this goddamn earth. They will not be able to come in and just force us to do anything. Our government knows this. The rest of the world knows this. Talked about this several times on the show. It's why Russia never attacked us in the Cold War. Because they could not account for the American people. They did not know how many weapons we actually had. They did not know what kind of weapons that we actually had. Our federal government knows this as well. That's why it is such a push to take away our firearms, to restrict us from buying and purchasing new firearms, transferring firearms. That's why it is such a push. There are so many soft men out there, and it's soft. I don't even know if I can call them men that they're using their their little voices 
trying to demonize anybody with any masculinity. Trying to to pigeonhole us into this, this one thought, this one way of life that they're so much better than us. When in reality, they don't understand the hole that they're digging. They are in the lion's den. They are in trouble and they don't even know it. They will become a victim because as soon as somebody oppresses them of any nature, they will clam they will clam up and they will not know what to do. They will they will just shut down at that moment. And then they'll become a victim. We are at that point right now. This has been a little extra Lambo. Please like, follow, share. Um, look up the information that I am going to have for um, James Sowry. Um, looking for my notes. Um, he will have a, a gift and go. He will have Facebook. I will get all that stuff out to you. I will create a TikTok video. Please help him out. Please help his legal fees. And if you need more information from me, email the show, shoot a message, do whatever you need to do. But let's get out there. Let's help James out. Um, Like, follow, share. Find me on my Instagram. Find me on my TikTok. Find me on my link tree. This is a little extra Lambo. Peace. I want to bring up an organization that I've talked about the last couple episodes. It is Change Unchained. You can find them at changeunchained.com as well as the same name on TikTok and Instagram. They are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. They provide temporary living quarters for survivors of trafficking as well as exploitation in the tiny homes at the Burn It Down Ranch. This is a search and rescue team from badass vets, Troy and Tiffany Yusufer. They've been working anti-trafficking since 2012. This is a great organization. If you would like to help donate, get on changeunchained.com backslash donation, or just get on their website and you can filter your way through. They have two or three permanent homes right now or tiny homes right now. They are working on another one and then another one and then another one. It's going to be a badass ranch for the survivors that they are able to find in the trafficking. If you want to help them out, changeunchained.com.